Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 12, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 2. There is a solution on page 25. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, if you are as seriously alcoholic and ends at the top of page 26 with willing to make the effort. Today's readers are Jen Z, Nancy H, Gina R, Marie J, and Craig F. Our newcomer greeter is Kathy G. The reference number for yesterday's Sunday, February 11th, 2018's special edition meeting is 11033. That's 11033. Hold on a sec. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jen Z to read the 12 steps of OA. Hello, this is Jen Z from Kentucky. Can I be heard? Yes, good morning, Jen. Good morning. This is the 12 steps of OA. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 
2012, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you you for allowing me to serve. Thank you, Jensi. And now I will ask Nancy H. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, Rebecca, and good morning, and thank you for your service, and good morning to everyone else. I'm Nancy H. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are trusted servants. They do not do it. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside of enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overreaders Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in chapter two. There is a solution on page 25. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph which begins with, if you are as seriously alcoholic and ends at the top of page 26 with willing to make the effort. I will now ask Gina R. to read that for us. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Good morning, everybody. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, living in Green Valley, Arizona. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, 
We believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. And the other, to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. Start my timer. Oh my goodness. Um, Blotting out the consciousness. That was pretty much um, the reality of my life for so many years. Um, My consciousness, as I now understand it, uh basically i operated as a victim i saw everything happening to me and was just uh mired in a a pool of self-pity and the only way i felt like i could get relief was to either try to control every situation person place thing And then when that wasn't going my way, I would uh, blot out those feelings of restlessness, irritability, and discontentment by um, eating. Um, I was somebody who certainly didn't feel like I wanted to um, live that way, but I never got to the point where I actually um, spoke about uh, doing anything about it, um, I just I just didn't want to be that way, and I was a, a victim of my own mentality, um, keeping me stuck in a prison that I didn't even realize the door was open. It wasn't until I connected with somebody in whom the problem had been solved, and she gently presented a live example she didn't push it on me she just was living it and she continued to make herself available and because of her doing that i was able to understand that while i didn't have freedom or uh, i was powerless over the food i didn't have to become powerless or i didn't have to stay in that 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 prison of um not understanding that my thoughts were were part of this problem i didn't have to stay a victim of choosing to believe that i was a victim and i was able to make that shift and uh, pick up this big book and do exactly what it said and by doing that i was able to connect with my creator who is a loving creator it's not a punitive entity that um, is striking me down every time something wrong happens. No, I was able to connect with a loving creator in whom um, I was able to put trust and um, execute on the the work um, that I was told to do. And I know my three minutes are up, but I'm very, very grateful to be here. And If there's a newcomer on the line, um, please, please, please do know you do have a choice on what you think and believe, and it can be different. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Gina R. Who would like to share on this paragraph that Gina read? Lisa B. Boston. And I think I heard Marie J. Yes, you did. Marie J. And I heard Larry. And some of the early ones I missed. So if you want to say again, you put Nessa R. Tina F. Nessa R. And Melissa C. And Tina F. I think I heard. And then I should stop there. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure about the Tina one. Um, Lisa B, Katie G, Marie J, Larry K, Nessa R, Melissa C, Tina F, I believe, S as in Sam. Okay. Uh, Lisa B, please go right ahead. Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And thank you, Rebecca, for your, for your kind service. Um, there's so much in this paragraph. I lived in the middle of the road solution for many years, and that's the horrible brutality of this illness. It's possible to live uh, many, many years, probably even a lifetime, and just die uh, being in the middle of the road, being an unrecovered, compulsive overeater. Um, so that's the one thing I wanted to address. The other thing that jumped out for me was when it talks about um, consciousness. It talks about blotting out um, uh, the consciousness. So, you know, it's interesting because on Friday we read Appendix 2 and it talked about God consciousness. And that, that's just interesting, the two opposite ends of what happens to me as a result of getting entirely abstinent, getting clear so I can hear and listen to this solution. And then the transformation that happens to me as a result of doing the steps is it's no longer my life. It's God's life. It's God's consciousness. Um, but I'm not perfect. You know, every day I need to live in these steps because I do fall off the beam, get off the beam in my thinking. Um, but the other word that jumps out for me is honestly, and that's truthful, fair, honorable way, um, legitimately. Um, I need to really, in good faith, which is another synonym for honestly, give this a, a, a fair try and get entirely abstinent. Look at what Dr. Silkworth is describing and why I need to get entirely abstinent. And he talks about that in that chapter. And then meeting someone in whom the problem has been solved. Have they done all the 12 steps? Have they had that spiritual awakening? Are they truly neutral with the food? Um, you know, working with that person side by side. But the truth of the matter is that this book is my sponsor, that I actually could go through this book. That's why this book was made and not have a sponsor, you know, but it's great to have someone that's gone before me. But I don't need to rely on a sponsor, really. I can do the work in this book. That's why the book was created. And then effort. I really need to give it an effort. Have I really given it a try? You know, so many people try half measures. And then the other thing I just wanted to share is in the chapter, How It Works, it talks about um, we were at the turning point. My belief is that this is the turning point. This is the turning point right here. That am I at the point? You see, abstinence is the problem for me and eating is the problem. So I'm really stuck. I'm in a major quandary there. Abstinence is the problem, but I need the steps to learn to live in an abstinent and recovered way. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Katie G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G. Recovered, anorexic, bulimic, and compulsive eater in Boston. 
All right, so if I'm seriously a compulsive overeater, so what does that mean? Am I really the sick kind? You know, there are a lot of people out there, ladies and gentlemen, that have food issues, right? But not the kind I do, like the kind where I can't live my life. I am seriously alcoholic, and when you take the food out of my body, I still have food addiction. I am seriously sick. I still have an obsession of the mind, which is any thought that's going to blot out all other thoughts and is going to lead me back to the food time and time and time again. So yes, seriously alcoholic. So if I'm seriously alcoholic, I can't have a middle of the road solution. What does that mean? I looked it up. It's a, a middle of the road solution means liked by most, plain and ordinary. So here I am binging and purging and puking as my solution, and I think a middle-of-the-road solution is going to work. Like, oh, well, I'm 80% abstinent. Oh, well, I'm going to say I'm going to have this for today, but in five minutes I'm going to change it because you know what? It's not really working for me. So what am I doing? I'm still messing with the food. So I have no chance, no hope to accept God, right? And then in a time of abstinence, too, life was becoming can become impossible for me. Um, it's not just around the food. You know, um, my attitudes, actions, and behaviors uh, at a time in my life when I was going to anorexia and bulimia and <clears throat> wondering why my life, why everyone around me was pissing me off and I was losing my job and gosh, you know what? No one wanted to be in a relationship with me. And nobody in Overeaters Anonymous wanted to talk to me because of me, right? So I am desperate, dying, and doomed. Like, if you're not, that's fine. But this paragraph tells me there's no, like, if I'm a serious alcoholic, I this is an extreme solution. I can go on to the bitter end and I can stay away from God and keep using food. For me, anorexia and bulimia would have killed me if I'd kept doing it, and it would have killed me fast. And there's a choice here. I can accept spiritual health and help. <clears throat> and I love that it says we have to make an effort. And I just want to close with that. Like, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, and I'm going to tell you, I make an effort every day. This program has to come first in my life. Why? Because I am an extreme compulsive overeater, and I can't have a middle-of-the-road solution. Couldn't have one now, then, and I can't have one now. And I have to keep moving forward and making my effort each and every day. And it is a privilege to do so with all of you one day at a time. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Marie J. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you. Can you hear me? Sure. Hi, Marie. Great. Hi. Thanks. This is Marie J. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. <clears throat> and, um, you know, I blotted out everything. I can't believe how much my life is a big old blur. Um, <clears throat> and I really didn't realize that until I was on this side of recovery how just incredibly unconscious I was about my situation. You know, sugar just blotted out my entire life. And, you know, it was just like, it's just like it, the alcoholic does with booze, but it's not as blatantly visible. You know, I didn't stumble around in a stupor, but I was completely numbed out and don't remember a lot of my life. 
And in the beginning of recovery, I um, really tried this middle-of-the-road solution. But I didn't really know I was doing that either. You know, I thought I was in, but I was just complying with all the rules that I was given and just getting by. But I was only doing what I had to do. And I was really looking for loopholes all the time. And at the same time, I lost a lot of weight. So I thought that was recovery. Oh, I'm in recovery because I'm losing weight. But I didn't have a spiritual solution. All I had was a diet with group support. So um, I really needed to have the relapses that I had in order to see that the middle of the road solution wasn't going to work for me. You know, we call that in this program, we also call that half measures. Half measures avail us nothing. And it wasn't until I realized that no human aid was going to get me recovered. You know, my sponsor wasn't the problem, so getting a new sponsor four times didn't work. You know, I had to take responsibility for my choices And making a choice to live the spiritual life was hard. And it continues to be an effort. It's not hard, but it's an effort. I have to practice this every day. And when I do, the fruits of my labor are greater than I could have ever dreamed. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I still have struggles in my life. I still have marriage, children, I got work, I got all kinds of opportunities for calamity to show up. And that's just life, life showing up. And being all in means working this full measure. And it's brought this life that I have today that's beyond my imagination. And I have to remind myself every day through gratitude and through sponsorship. You know, when I sponsor, I'm being reminded every day where I was before recovery and carrying a message of hope to those women that I work with who want what I've got today. They don't know what I had before unless I sponsor them and share that experience that I also had, reminding them that I was in their situation too and being able to carry a message of hope and strength because look at where I am today. People want what I've got and that's a beautiful thing and I need to be reminded every day and I need to be grateful every day. So it's simple. It's simple. It's not easy, but it works. Thanks. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Marie J. Larry Kay, you're next. Hey, Rebecca. Good morning. Good morning. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. You know, it, it talks about, uh, we, we, we read about willingness. Um, you know, we read about willing to make the effort. You know, here, here's the thing. There, there's no special qualifications to have a spiritual awakening. This isn't like gym class where they're picking. Remember gym class in grade school where they were picking the teams? Painful, right? Painful for some of us. There is no team. You, you, you're in. Put, put your jersey on. Wait, wait, where are you going? No, no, no. Don't, don't go back to the bench. There is no bench. You're, you're a starter. Get, get in the game. That, that's, the, that, that's the qualification. There's no, there's no hierarchy here. There's no gurus here. There's no special people. What you have is people that got here to Overeaters Anonymous. Find me someone who got to Overeaters Anonymous on a winning streak. Keep searching. You won't find that person. We all got here on a losing streak to some, to some, in some respect, right? So this isn't gym class. You're in the game. Put your jersey on. You're a starter. <laughs> you know, this isn't a, uh, you know, you don't have to uh, earn your way into the sorority by impressing the committee. Guess what? There is no committee. 
Nobody's in charge of this mess here. You're new around here? Cool, you're in. But to be in, you know what? It's probably advisable to get in the game, put your jersey on, not to have some frosting in your hair, right? Probably a good idea to put your syringe down. Might be a good idea. I don't know that you can shoot the basketball if you've got uh, the syringe in your, you know, in your hand or if you've got frosting smearing all over your face. So, so you know, if you've had it, here's the qualifications. If you had enough suffering yet, oh, oh you have? Good, you qualify. <laughs> okay, you're willing to put your substance down and get honest with yourself and others? Great, you're in. You're the president. You're the leader. Yeah, terrific. Grab a jersey, put it on. Um, pain and struggle for me were almost always part of the untold story of adversity and resilience. You know, it was the pain and suffering. But, you know, through this struggle, we're led to these rooms. Through these steps, we experience a profound alteration in our reaction to life, and we come to know that such a change could not be brought about by ourselves or by another human being. We've tapped an unsuspected inner resource. It's God. It's God. You can call it what you want, whatever you name you want to call it. In some sense, we've been reborn, and thank God for that, right? That's what this is all about. It's a spiritual program. This program here, spiritual. Okay, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry K. Nessa R. Hi, good morning. Vision for you. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, this is one of my favorite um, paragraphs in the whole book. You know, it tells me that I have two higher powers but I can only serve one of them at a time, you know. One of them is the food and the other one is God. Uh, In the chapter of um, the agnostics, uh, we read that either God is everything or else he is nothing. And I kind of have adapted it for myself. Um, And I say to myself, either God is everything or the food is everything because I got to serve a master. And it's my choice which one I'm going to serve. And what this tells me is that every thought I have throughout the day, every decision I make throughout the day, it either brings me closer to God or it brings me closer to the food. And it goes beyond the actual decisions I make about what I put in my mouth and when. Um, You know, if I decide that I'm not going to get up early today to do my prayer meditation uh, because I want to sleep in, because I'm too tired. Um, um, if, uh, you know, the weather is too ghastly, so I'm not going to go to my meeting, or I'm going to yell at my kids because they haven't taken out the garbage, or, you know, I'm going to just uh, surf the net at work instead of doing what I'm getting paid to do. Um, you know, all those decisions um, lead me, you know, closer to the food. But if I decide, you know what, I may be tired, I'm going to go to bed earlier tonight, but today I'm waking up so that I can do my prayer meditation and be uh, on time for my meeting uh, this morning. And I'm going to go to my face-to-face meeting unless I'm just so totally sick that I don't want to pass it on to everybody else. Um, You know, even though my kids don't listen or don't do what they're supposed to do, I'm still going to treat them 
you know, kindly, lovingly, and with respect in the way that I want to be treated, and I'm going to do my darkness at work to be of service to, um, to my company, all those things. I mean, those decisions um, either bring me closer to the food or, or closer to God, and, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not so obvious, and, you know, we need to, you know, run it by a sponsor, run it by a, um, you know, um, a body in, in, in program, you know, those are things that we need to do. You know, if I get resentful and I decide to wallow in that resentment because, you know, darn it, I'm right and I'm going to show them, you know, then I'm getting closer to the food. But if I say, you know what, this feels yucky and I, uh, this is not the right way and I'm going to do a step 10 and I'm going to give it away and I'm going to listen to uh, the person on the other end of the line is going to say to me, um, then, you know, that's the way I'm supposed to live. So this paragraph is telling me, you know, make a good choice, make a good choice because you've tried the middle of the road solutions so many times and they never work, but this, this works and it has worked for me. And, uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Melissa C. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And this is the best, you know, this is the best spot to be in when you're finally really backed into the corner, when it's clear that there's just two choices left. Um, and, you know, and that's my, my prayer for anybody that's suffering right now, that that's where you find yourself, that it becomes suddenly clear that there's only two choices, um, you know, because for me, the misery um, continued when I still kept thinking that I could hang out in the middle of the road. And, you know, um, and of course I felt that way because I, I loved the idea of doing things in moderation. That was just the most appealing idea to me. That's what normal people do. You know, normal people um, eat moderately. Normal people work programs with moderation. You know, normal people um, eat well during the week and then overeat on the weekends or eat well most of the time and then overeat on vacation. And that's how I wanted to do recovery. You know, I wanted to do it. Um, yeah, okay, I'll commit my food Monday through Friday. And I'll do some step work, you know, Wednesday, you know, maybe Friday. Um, that is not the solution, you know, for someone like me, and when I reached that point when it became clear that I was seriously sick, um, I realized, no, there was not going to be anything in the middle of the road. You know, when you read on and we find out about the jaywalker, yeah, if I'm hanging out in the middle of the road, I'm getting hit by, by traffic. I'm getting run over by a fire engine. Um, so I really had to make that choice. And, you know, um, at the end of my suffering, the last few binges that I had, I realized that I could not consume enough food to blot out my consciousness. Like, that's what it reached for me, that the amount of food required just to get me numb was actually physically too much for me to consume. And I've never had a problem um, volume eating. You know, I'm, hey, I'm a compulsive overeater, so I can consume huge quantities of food, but at the end, I couldn't even take in enough food to get numb, and, and that's when I realized, crap, I'm really screwed. I can't, I can't, I can't get numb. I can't get myself calm, and, um, 
And that was, you know, that was the best place to be. And then I became willing. Like, I started listening. And, you know, what is willingness? Because we hear it's overrated. This is desperation with a little flicker of hope. And I didn't have hope in myself yet. But I had hope when I called here. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa C. Tina S. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Wow, some great stuff. What a great paragraph to be on for me, you know, because it really just reinforces over and over again that my disease centers in my mind. You know, it says we were in a position where life was becoming impossible. You know, I have to get there before I'm going to do anything. Let me just tell you, I have to be, I have to have no reservation whatsoever that somehow, some way, someday I can control and enjoy my, control and enjoy my eating. You know, and so what I like about this is that, you know, normal people don't have this uh, conflict here. Do I go on to the bitter end? Do I accept spiritual help? You know, that, there's no question in their minds what they do. As an addict, alcoholic, I question this. Okay, am I going to die? Go on to no. The news is for me that I don't die. I go on to the bitter end and I live. Or do I accept spiritual help? And, and you know, I always say this because it's just the truth. I didn't come here to get spiritual. I didn't come here for spiritual help. But when push came to shove, when there was no other choice, no other, last house on the block, I was like, okay, let's try this thing. And then, like it was already said, you know, there were people that w- with, in with whom the problem had been solved that were in the room was when I got here. So that they showed me the way. They didn't just tell me the way. They showed me the way. That one day at a time. You know, when I, once I accept spiritual help and I didn't play God anymore because that was my problem. You know, I was playing God all the time. So there was no spiritual help. There was no power greater than me. Once I was able to do that and then become willing like it talks about, you know, to make the effort, just to put one foot in front of the other, to do something different. I got something different. And through the process of the 12 steps, there was a transformation that came about, and it certainly was not by me, that today I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, and I continue to want that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Tina S. If you've got on late, I just want to let you know we read the third paragraph on page 25 that begins, if you are as seriously alcoholic. And I'm going to open up for more people who would like to share on that paragraph. Who is that? Laura G. Laura G. Okay, wait a minute. Could you repeat that one? Laura G. I got Laura G. And who was after Laura? Raquel G. Raquel G. G, yeah. Got it. Jen Jen M. I hear Jen M. I'm sorry, what page is it? Bottom of 25. I have Vasa O, Laura G, Raquel G, and Jen M. Am I missing some others or no? Leslie? Leslie? Okay, and I'm being told Shannon F. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Thank you. Uh, Vasa, oh, go right ahead. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive Ovega calling from Florida. And this is exactly where I was when I came to my first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. 
I had I had uh, I was beyond a human power to put the food down, and I did come down just to just for the vanity. But I thank God stayed for the sanity, and uh, I heard uh, I thank God I kept on coming to meetings, and I just listened and listened, and uh, I had the you know they said some of the people shared they had the gift of desperation. Well, I did have the desperation, and but I didn't see it as a gift. I said, how could they say that they, that's a gift? That's a torture. That's a punishment for me to put my alcoholic foods down, you know. But I did. I did put them down, and then it became an asset. It became, oh, wow, I can, I, you know, I can do this. And I can survive without running to the food. And I'm not saying it was easy. I did it one day at a time, one meal at a time, you know. But then other things were beginning to click in. And, uh, I, again, even before I came to the program, I, you know, I did not know I had the disease. I didn't know anything about the allergy. But I was willing and I was ready to accept a power greater than myself because I, or the program or the 12 steps anything, because what I was doing was just not working. So for me, I, I needed to really pray to God to keep me abstinent the first day and, and throw myself into the meetings or pick up the phone. I did whatever it took for me not to eat between meals. I mean, that's me. Everybody has their own abstinence. I'm going to discuss just what I'm doing. And then, you know, I heard once we put the food down, you know, then I went through the withdrawals, and then we needed to work the 12 steps. So I did step one, two, and three at the same time. I, I was desperate. For me to keep going the way I was going, it's live or die. Well, you know, I had a baby. He was two years old, a younger, younger child. I had older children. I had a husband. I had everything to live for. If I kept on doing what I was doing, the food was just going to kill me. What, what is, my son is going to grow up without a mother, or she's going to be a very, very sick woman. And I accepted the spiritual help. I accepted the 12 steps. And to me, this is, you know, I heard somebody talk about, I don't even need a sponsor. I needed a sponsor at the beginning. I desperately needed the sponsor. But she also said, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, spread yourself around. Go to different meetings. Listen to different people. And my sponsor dropped. I'll wrap it up. My sponsor dropped out of the program at that time. And I was really disappointed. I said, it must not work. Well, what she told me, it's not working. She dropped out. But I needed to continue going and do what others were doing. She did come back in the program. And I love her. And she's still in my life today. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Laura G. Hello, my name is Raquel G, and I am a compulsive overeater. Oh, Raquel, there's someone named Laura G who's before you. Let's just see if she's on the line. Is Laura there? Am I I being heard? Okay. Yes, we're going to have Laura G now, and then I'll call Raquel G. Go ahead, Laura G. Thank you. I'm Laura G, and I'm a grateful compulsive overeater. Um, 
I I was um I'd like to talk about how I felt before I started realizing that um spiritual help was going to be the only way it was going to stop. Um, I can remember the last uh, one of the last binges where I was um just again that numbness thing came up real well for me like I could stop at a bazillion places and I could grab as much as I want. And it's not it's not going to end my uh, you know my sadness. It's not going to make my uh, confusion or um, whatever the emotion was go away. It, it didn't matter how many times I stopped and how much I got. It was not going to make it go away. So it was part of my process to help me understand that, uh, like the sentence says. Um, one way was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. So a lot of times now, when I'm starting to feel that emotion rise, no matter what it is, no matter how it was triggered or um, what's happening in life, I can have that awareness that I'm I'm in an emotion that is... Um, maybe something I've only learned to tolerate or understand with that item or that behavior. So I, I really relate to that. And I love the part where it says um, where it says this we did because we honestly wanted to. It was like I would ask myself in those moments, like, is this what you want to do until the end? Is this going to be your, you know, your demise? Is this going to be, you know, one day maybe my kids will find out I'm pulled over in my car somewhere and I've got so much crap in it everywhere. You know, 10 or ten or 15 different bags or um, bags that I couldn't finish, maybe. I don't know. Um, this is what you want. And uh, the honesty really started making sense when I was really being honest and uh, running to the, you know, the trash, that trash place, you know, real quick so I wouldn't have to... Um, see it in the morning or what have you. So I really like that this we did because we honestly wanted to. I got honest, um, the spiritual aware, aware, awareness and, and experiences were becoming clearer. So the honesty was getting more easy to uh, to feel. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you again. Thank you, Laura G. Raquel G. Hello, I'm sorry for before. Uh, this is Raquel. No problem. I'm a compulsive overeater. And, uh, you know, I'm very happy that I tuned into the meeting really early to, to hear that there is no abstinent requirement to share. And I just want to say that, uh, first of all, I love everything I hear, everything, everything, and the reading in particular. And it makes me wonder too much, like, really, if, if, if I honestly want this, because I'm having a problem with the food, like getting abstinent, and I say to myself, I really want this, and I, 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 I'm going to stay connected with other compulsive overeaters, and I'm going to try to do my best, and and everything goes well until the end of the day that I just suddenly, the fear comes over me, I don't know what to do, and the food wins out yet again, and I love what they share about loading out the consciousness, because it's like that, like every night, and then you wake up, and you say, okay, let me try it one more time, and let me try it one more time. 
And, well, the good news is at least every every day that I connect to a meeting, I realize it's another veil taken off my eyes. You know, this is what is required. It's very hopeful to be in the meeting. And if I made a mistake by sharing not on the solution but on the problem, I really apologize. But I just wanted to give a voice to this side because I know it's very hopeful to hear everybody who who is living in the solution. And I really want to live in the solution, but I love what I had. Maybe there's more effort maybe required for my part. So I just wanted to to put that out there. And I'm sorry if if I shared something that was not supposed to be shared. That is the problem, but. I just wanted to voice that. Thank you. Thank you, Raquel G. I don't think you have anything to apologize for. Jen M. Hello? Jen? Yes. Good morning. Thank you. This is Jen M., and I am a recovering food addict and compulsive overeater and binder in Iowa, and I wanted to talk about um, the willingness to make an effort. Um, I feel like I've had that willingness from when I first started. I haven't had a problem with that. Um, Where I've had a problem is that the part about there is no middle road of the solution. Um, So at the beginning, I was doing really great. I was fully committed to doing everything I could possibly fit into one day. Um, The result was I was able to stay abstinent for longer periods of time. Um, Unintentionally, I started to dwindle and ended up um, doing middle of the road without realizing it. And I just couldn't seem to figure out why I was having more cravings. It was harder to keep abstinent. Uh, I was starting to just feel kind of lost. And I thought about getting up the program and just adding it to the long list of failed things that I keep in my head all the time. Um, so with the help of my sponsor, I have come to realize that that's what was happening. Um, she basically had me compare what are you doing now versus what were you doing when you were feeling successful. Um, and so starting this week, I'm going to refocus on doing more the way I used to do it, um, committing to spending the time again and the energy to work the program entirely again, And I'm hoping that this will help me to get back to feeling the results like I did before. Um, But I just want to remember to keep in mind to have that willingness to accept help from my sponsor, um, you know, work with my higher power to help me on a day-to-day basis know what to do. I kind of go by the um, strategy of what's the next right thing. And that seems to work for me. I'm one of those people that normally thinks too far ahead and worries about the 10 things that need to be done by the end of the day. Um, So it seems to help me to stay focused by just thinking of the next thing and not thinking further ahead. Um, And it seems like when I do that, I get a lot more done during the day. So that is my suggestion to people is to really look at, are you working it completely? And if you're not, finding ways to get yourself back into it. Sometimes we get in a rut. And for me, it's maybe just to change up some of my daily devotions or change up some of my actions just to have something new and fresh, but not cutting back on what I do. So that's my goal. And that's my suggestion to other people. So with that, I will pass. Thank you, Jen. Um, Leslie, I didn't catch your last initial. 
It's Leslie W. Hi, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you for moderating. This is Leslie W. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee. And I uh, wanted to share this morning about <clears throat> to those two doors. <clears throat> um, you know, I didn't really, really know the big book. Um, I mean, really, really know the big book until I came into this, to this meeting. Um, and it was here that I that I heard the truth of there's there's two options for me as a as a compulsive overeater. If I if I can accept the fact that I am a compulsive overeater, then there are two doors. The first door is to keep on eating and to just do the best I can, right? Just do the best I can, white knuckle it for the rest of my life, and that is what I believed to be my lot in life before I came into vision. I truly did. I truly believed that white knuckling it every day was the best that I was going to get. The other door is to accept spiritual help. What does that mean? Um, Especially for, for people who may be new to this line or new to the program, what does it mean to accept spiritual help? Um, it means learning to, um, it means learning from your fellows who are recovered, um, learning to shut my mouth and listen to someone else who has more experience, more, um, uh, more recovery than, than me perhaps. Um, and I made a lot of excuses for myself when I first came into the doors of Overeaters Anonymous in 2010, when I, I looked around at my face-to-face meetings and saw um, older women, um, saw women without any children, and I had a three-month-old baby, and I just thought, well, they, don't, they just don't have, they don't have the hardships they, that I have. I mean, they've got all the time in the world to do their program, you know, um, but I don't. And I really use that as an excuse not to work this program. But when I came into vision and I talked to other mothers who had two, three, four, five, six children and were working this program and getting up at 4 5 o'clock in the morning to do their prayer and meditation, to take calls from sponsees, I knew, I knew that I, I, I had no choice. I had no choice because look around me. Look at these people. Look at these women that are doing this. They're doing it. They're working their program. No matter what's going on in their life, no matter what's going on around them, they're working this program, and they are recovered, and they are living in the solution today. And I thought to myself, thank you. I thought to myself, if they can do it, I can do it. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Leslie W. Shannon F. Hey there, this is Shannon. Can you hear me okay? Yes, good morning, Shannon. Good morning, fellow visionaries. It's been a little while since I've shared on the line here, but I felt inspired to today. Um, I have found that part of the program is 
voicing out um, your truth and really connecting with people. Um, a lot of times I would try and hide, and that just wasn't going to all lengths um, while working the steps. Um, I noticed that many times, like, I would just try and dip my toes in and just do kind of do the whole let's make a deal. Like, I'll give a little bit and see what the results get, and maybe I'll give a little bit more and then maybe see what the results get. And that might work for some people, but what fun is that with just dipping your toe in when you can just do a full-on cannonball into the full-fledged program and really, like, maximize what you're going to get from God and the fellowship and the working the steps. So I've always said like, yeah, you can dip your toe in, but like if you can look at it in a different perspective, Shannon, why not take a full cannonball plunge into the program and really see what happens then. So, um, and energetically, it just feels so much better to just really commit your heart on over and know that like you're going to be receiving the full length of love out of this program. So I just noticed that when I was only willing to give half measures, it still felt constricted even in my physical body rather than being able to say, yes, I surrender. Saying yes, I surrender and going to the further lengths just almost felt like sinking into a warm bath, but it wasn't just sitting like a, a bump on a log. It was like sinking into warm water, but still taking footwork and moving forward. And that may sound bizarre, but for some reason that just made sense in my mind and my heart to be able to start doing this program to a deeper level. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Shannon. We have time for one more two-minute share if there's someone who else also would like to share. Monica T. Go right ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Please time me. My name is Monica T. And I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. If you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, and I was told to notice that's in past tense, they were. They're not anymore. They were. We believe there is no middle of the road solution. It's more than believing. They know there's no middle road solution because they've tried it, you know. And they're, they're telling us we have, we had but two alternatives, alternatives, choices, options. One was to go to the bitter end and the other to accept spiritual help. So I have two choices and there's no door number three, which I always try to do, you know. I either stay in the food and continue the hell I'm in or I accept spiritual help. Do or die here, Monica. And what is this accepting spiritual help? I take this as get yourself a guide and start working the steps. Because you're screwed, Monica, in step one. You're powerless over, the, over your obsessive mind. You're powerless over it. And you keep doing the same things over and over again and, getting, and expecting the same result. You need a power that's greater than you. And how are you going to get this power? You're going to get that through the process of working the steps. And this power is going to do for you, is going to remove this crazy thinking so that you can be free. So it's a do or die here. I either continue in the hell or I lean gently into this uh, process. You know, my willingness plus God's grace equals a mystery. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's going to work. I'm, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But I'm willing to do the work 
gently lean into it, do the work, and see what happens. And with that, I pass. It worked. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Monica T. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, February 12, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 11.035. That's 11035. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, Followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Marie J. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, thank you. This is Marie J. Recovered in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. And great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. 